Aftershark MMA Show. Hey guys, this is Mark the Shark Retorto, and I know a great way where you can make money right from your home with no upfront cost. It's a t-shirt affiliate program. You can sign up for free at a website called acheaptea.com. You're going to earn 20% of each sale. Sign up today. It's free and easy. Again, the website is acheaptea.com. That's A-C-H-E-E-P-T.com. Check it out today. This is Jim, the podcast Sherpa from Too Many Podcasts, and you've got a ringside seat to the Mark the Shark MMA show. Let's get ready to podcast. everybody uh this is uh mark the shark retorto and today i got a special guest uh it's a little different format from the norm uh today we got uh steve spacek from american state litter card uh litter litter store scorecard how you doing today steve oh fine thank you there's i have a slight cold uh it rained last night on the east coast as you probably know and there's a lot of wind out there right now and pollen flying around uh no worries no worries we're just here to introduce you to everybody that's listening to this podcast. And um, so we, let's start out by introducing yourself to everybody that listens here. Like, where are you from and what's the name of your organization? What is it that you guys exactly do? And I believe there's a special event that you want to let everybody know about that's happening. Uh, that's coming up. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, oh, yeah. Of course, my name is Steve Spacek. Last name spelled S P A. C-E-K, six letters, like my father used to say when he sold life insurance when I lived down in Texas many years ago, and he had a, he was a territorial life uh, insurance salesman across South Texas between Houston, San Antonio, and Corpus Christi, the big cities there. Um, anyway, long story short, I live in the Washington, D.C. area. I've been a resident of this area on and off uh, about 30 years, and I have a master's degree. And um, I've done uh, data collection um, on on this topic for a number of years now, and I present public service conferences. I've guested probably about 10 to 11 radio talk shows in the last three to four years. I just guested one last week, and I may be guesting some more very shortly because um, this upcoming Wednesday, the 22nd, is the 50th anniversary of Earth Day which started in um, uh, April of 1970. There was a senator named Gavin Newsom, I believe. Uh, Gaylord, I'm sorry, Senator Gaylord from Wisconsin. He was concerned about the environment. And I just want to quickly say he was the one that helped President Richard Nixon back in 1970 sign the various Earth uh, uh, startup, the EPA, the Clean Water Act, Clean Air Act, which are still the laws today. Very, very interesting. And so you're, you and your organization, you help educate people on pollution, how to deal with it and all that. Um, so particularly in the United States, where are the 15 biggest litter polluted cities? Yeah. And why are they um, considered littered? 
Like, like, why are they so congested with glitter? Yeah, and I know <laughs> this is a 30-minute show, so I'll try to simplify. Um, I finally selected uh, part of the 15 just last weekend because there was about eight cities buying for about five slots. It was a tough decision. And the, big, the biggest indicator is that the population size of a city. So of the 15 that were chosen, they all have population totals, and that's within their city limits or city boundaries of at least 375,000 people. So these are considered major U.S. cities. And this is from a list of, I went through uh, the U.S. Census Bureau to find that data out to confirm it. And then uh, before I even announced the cities, I used some evaluative uh, indicators such as data from the cities themselves. And it was hard to find or they don't want to release this data. That's a conversation right there. And uh, from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, from some waste recycling sites, and um, uh, also there were reports uh, published in, uh, one by Busy Bee Cleaning the last few years, and then by Travel and Leisure and Forbes. They all rated cities on the, this certain indicator: how much volume of litter or waste dumping occurring on public spaces. And then uh, the 15 cities themselves, here we go. The largest by far with over 8 million right now, we have New York City, that's the biggest of all the bigs. Then we have Los Angeles. Then we have Houston in my home state of Texas. Then we have uh, right down the road from you, just, uh, I, I don't know what part of New Jersey, 201 sounds like um, Northern New Jersey, but uh, to the South of you, we have Philadelphia. We also got Baltimore. And then we have San Antonio and Fort Worth. And then to the west of you, we have Indianapolis and Detroit. And then to the south of you, we have uh, Nashville and Memphis. And then if we go further south, we have Atlanta and Miami. And then New Orleans. And on the west coast, we have Las Vegas. And I mentioned Los Angeles. That rounds out the list of the 15 uh, litter-polluted cities. Wow. I'm not too surprised to hear about New York and Los Angeles, but I guess it makes sense, right? The people with the, the largest population are most likely to uh, litter and pollute the environment. Now, the, one of the things I, reasons when you contact me, the reason I was kind of interested in having you on the show has to do with this next question, which I think everybody in this particular time uh, with what's going on with the pandemic um, going on worldwide is, is going to be particularly interesting. Now, it seems um, that there can be a lot of problems tying littering to certain viruses in particular, including the coronavirus. Um, can you expand on that a little bit? Like what, what are the yeah, and also, problems connected to it? Littering yeah, and you also mentioned... You also might have mentioned earlier, and I just, um, I know there's a time limit on each one. Uh, why are these cities are in this condition? And uh, also you had said something about any, any community in America have litterers. It doesn't matter. It happened, it's because it's for people age 16 to 25, it's a natural behavior. They're most willing or prone to be litterers. Uh, they're considered what is called in litter studies, the profiled litterers group. And then some, uh, uh, people that attend stadium sports events are considered 
litter, uh, litter profiled litters because uh, there have been studies done and they've noticed consistently, not just in U.S., but in Canada, that uh, these are the people that are willing or prone to litter anytime, anywhere. And then to discuss um, uh, waste litter and dumping, um, they can breed diseases and viruses. And I did, I did some research. I had some really good sources, such as um, Science Daily, the Viro Virology Journal, and um, some other in, in entities, uh, the US EPA on their website. They mentioned the type of um, viruses and diseases that can be bred by just willy-nilly throwing waste around. And that can include um, tetanus, the Zika virus, uh, malaria, and uh, this coronavirus. And I had wrote in my news release, which is gonna be published in the next 24, 48 hours, uh, the original researchers thought that this was uh, a product of uh, waste uh, disposed animal carcasses that were sold um, over the counter at Wuhan, China, the open air, air markets. But now there's a new story that maybe the virus came from a, a flying bat in that area or a lab. But up to this week, it was disclosed by a lot. Of, the journalists concurred that um, it was created by a growing um, virus. And that's the thing about diseases from litter. They, they spread all kinds of diseases. The coronavirus, the droplets, uh, you, you, you throw litter on the ground and someone's walking by coughing or with the droplets, those droplets can attach to the litter. And so if someone else touches the litter or picks it up, uh, they may get the virus. And um, at least five or six of the cities that were chosen, the 15, are now coronavirus hotbeds. Of course, New York City, New Orleans, Miami, uh, Philadelphia, Detroit, Los Angeles. Those are the real hotbeds right now. And then some are not the hotbeds. I listed various cities that you don't hear about that much but they still have some cases, but they're hotbeds for littering and dumping. And uh, that's a very um, uh, voluminous task to talk about. And it's just human behavior. And then the city officials uh, are not willing or they look the other way not to pick it up. And then I, I could tell you something about New Jersey, New York, my experiences in doing research, how what I've learned about governments in both those states, the Garden State and the Empire State, on handling this problem. Oh, yeah, expand on that. Expand on it. Well, well, about 10 years ago, um, I had a friend of mine who, who worked in litter studies, and I decided I actually walked the streets of Philadelphia and Trenton and um, certain places in urban New Jersey and then around New York City, and, um, and I did pictures and I did a litter count. And also there was a study called the New Jersey Litter Study back in 2005. And it, it, it's out on the internet. If they punch in New Jersey Litter Study 2005, and it's amazing what people throw on the ground just across New Jersey. And it, it, what is so interesting is that some of the litter and dumping in New Jersey is caused by people from nearby New York or even uh, Pennsylvania and they cross the state line, they cross the river, and they bring all their garbage with them and they dump it in certain areas or that were, where they're not caught and then they take off. But they, uh, and they're been, uh, they've installed 
some governments install deer cameras if it had to be to catch these litters. They tend to be contractors. They'll take a large trailer loads of, of garbage and dump it off the side of the road in the middle of the night. And then, they're, then they cross the river from back to New York State or Pennsylvania. So I'm, I'm just saying a lot of the problem within the Garden State is caused by outsiders coming in and they, they do it quietly. Just like a 9-11 attack or Pearl Harbor, they were done kind of quiet under the radar. You know, it was planned so that people wouldn't notice. And so that's a lot of your litter, litter terrorists operate that way. I guess these people were doing those dumps because they were trying to avoid paying some kind of fee for dumping it legally, I mm-hmm. guess. That's the only thing I could think of. So it seems like this litter problem, um, like most people just think of like, you know, litter getting, like I was actually just watching a um, something on the news today about an island off Ecuador that's the environment is changing um, due to pollution. And they were saying like how little fragments of plastic bottles get into the water and the fish eat the little tiny plastic fragments and then we eat the fish. I don't think people really think of it um, in that way. I think if they did, they probably would be less inclined to litter. And now with, with what's going on with the coronavirus, I think the fact that, you know, that's why I wanted you on the show was to kind of like educate people that, you know, take care of the environment because if you don't, it's going to fight back. And I think that's probably what, you know, one of the aspects of what's happening now with the coronavirus is that it's payback time. <laughs> you know, the environment can only yeah. take so much and the environment's fighting back the only way it can. And unfortunately, you know, we're paying the price for it. So I think if, I think one of the key ways is probably like, you know, like you're doing all these podcasts, I think it's a good thing. It's probably just um, awareness you know, an education. Um, but unfortunately, like, I think it also, one of the main causes of pollution is businesses that feel that, you know, what the measures that they have to take eats into their profits. And then and that's probably why they don't really comply as much. But it's also, it's also the individual consumer's fault as well. Um, yeah, so that's pretty interesting. Now, I got another question for you. Uh, what are your perspectives on strengths and weaknesses for a particular candidate running for a, you know, some type of political office, such as president, state, governor, or mayor? Okay. That, you know, people in the general public or voters may not, you know, know. And remind me how much more time we got for the interview. I tend to ramble a little bit, and my apologies. Well, if you notice people down south, uh, grew up, they like to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. <laughs> anyway, long story short, you were talking about, we were talking about awareness and, yep. and you know, the people, some that cause this problem, they're aware and they do it anyway. And then there are people that avoid causing the problem. So um, I think to be a good public servant or a government official, you need, you need what is called a public calling. And so when you do a task, and, you know, I, I collect data on public performance. Um, one of the virtues of being a good public servant, you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for others. 
uh, kind of like the way that we have ner- doctors and nurses and EMT and police right now. They're out to protect people and they're risking their lives and they're getting the virus themselves. But th- they're they're putting out, you know, it's like I'm seeing a slogan. A lot of heroes don't wear capes anymore. And um, so and then you have some people um, that are totally indifferent. So some of our people that litter and dump or, or um, running around with the virus, they're totally indifferent. Or um, they'll think, well, you know, it's not going to, you'll hurt someone else, but it's not going to hurt me. So there's that kind of attitude. And then uh, going back to the public servant is that you're doing a task and compensation is not necessarily an, the ultimate um, uh, reward. You're doing it because it's the right thing or you have a sense of, um, I'm not going to say that someone's going to go to heaven for what you do, but um, you have a sense that uh, there's a there's a reward down the It's a, re, a feeling that money can't buy, that a tangible item in your hands can't buy. It's a different kind of feeling. Not everyone is going to have that kind of feeling. And then I like to make a comment about people in the private sector. If you have people that are elected officials, they they have zero government experience or zero public calling within them. Their their job is to make a buck or make sure they're well compensated, make sure that a paying customer will get a job, get get a job or a service to their liking. But if you're not the paying customer, like taxpayers, um, uh, if you're not a paying customer, you're not going to get the service or job done. And th- there's the difference is that people in government, um, they tend to be low wage, but they got to get a job done. And there's a calling that your typical business person, there's no public calling. It's about the money. And then I'll deliver the service only if you pay for it. And so these are, I consider people like that private servants. They're not public servants. They're private servants. And it scares me, and this is another comment, there's some virtues of privatization in the public arena, but then one of the virtues that I do not like, or which I'm hearing about, is that you gotta pay people off to get something done. For example, if your house is burning, you have to pay off firefighters to to put water on the house or just let it burn. Do you have to pay off a police officer to have someone get arrested or charged with a crime? How far does it go? And at that point, when you head into those things, when you have to do those kind of things where you have to pay someone off that that shouldn't be paid off, I'm looking at people like that as private servants. And so those are just, I I want people to be reminded that you have some very good people out there, the unsung heroes. They're doing a job, they're not getting paid, they're risking their lives, they're out to support. So we need to respect them by keeping public spaces such as streets, sidewalks, trails, water, keep them clean because the interior of stores and homes and businesses, they're being kept clean. But these cities are doing a terrible, terrible job of keeping the outside areas of a store or sidewalk, et cetera, keeping the waste litter off that can also grow or uh, distribute and trans- transmit the virus just as much. Very interesting. Now, um, I believe you, well, before we started the show, you, I think you also mentioned that in addition to litter, uh, litter scorecard, you also do consulting on the side as well, right? 
What did you say? I apologize. Okay. In addition to the uh, the little scorecard organization that you you run, you also do consulting. Is that tied into little scorecard, or is that something different? It's just um, it's a freelance operation. I just collect data and assess data. I uh, I attend public performance conferences. For example, in New Jersey, you got Rutgers Newark, and they. Uh, so I do I do uh, public. It's a moniker to describe my work. Sometimes someone will offer me a project because uh, consultants like to use a business like title. I like the title. I thought it over. And and the uh, scorecard, I do it here and there. The website is litterscorecard.com, and it's very, very chock full of information. Okay. And then if people had to get in touch with you, if they had, like, more questions um, about you and litter scorecard and, you know, how to get more involved and combat the problems that we're having in this country with litter and pollution, how would they get in touch with you? Certainly. Um, they can email me. The email address is litterscorecard at gmail.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at litterscorecard. There's a Facebook page. You'll say American State Litter Scorecard. So I just want to say people will call it litter score. It has the word state, but I'm branching out beyond state. And also that there are contact forms. They can contact me. There's a contact form all that. I usually don't take private phone calls. I'll rarely take a call unless I know the person and they have to ask me permission to speak with me live. Okay. Um, okay. And then you got in your, you have any, like, what, what are your social media accounts other than Facebook? You have other ones or? Well, Twitter, and that's pretty much it. I, I found that they've been very, and, and Facebook and that's, that's it. Because uh, I've looked at uh, the uh, for what for my audience, I found them most effective, and also my peers that worked in government, they used the same similar um, accounts. Um, I'm not I'm not familiar with Zoom that much. This is a Zoom phone call, so this is all new to me, and mm -hmm. I don't have access to Skype. So if they can reach me by email or by Twitter or Facebook, that's the way to go. And I'll have enough, uh, I'll, I'll get enough requests that way, believe me. Okay. And again, everyone, his website is litterscorecard.com. And um, so again, everybody, just, uh, just be aware that this Wednesday, April 22nd, is Earth Day. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast. Hopefully it gave you some insight and education on the problems we're having in this country with litter and pollution. Uh, Steve, it was great having you on the show. Uh, is there any other comments you would like to make out to the audience before we before we go? Just don't willy-nilly throw your stuff around. Find a garbage can, find a receptacle, and just remember, coronavirus can be transmitted on this. And if you don't get it, there are animals or even seafood or cattle. They can get it too or at least transmit it. So think about that before you uh, dump your trash. All right. That's a very good point. All right, everybody. That's it. That's a wrap for this show. I hope you enjoyed it. Steve, it was great having you on the show. Hopefully we get to have you on the show again sometime in the future. All right, everybody. Uh, that's it. See you guys next week.
Hi everyone out there. I just want to make an announcement that both me and my daughter have new books out there on the market available at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com as well as our website, RetortoFamilyBooks.com. My book is called Mark is the Vampire. It's a brand new fantasy vampire novel. And my daughter's book is called A Little Bit Louder. It's the second book in her Invisible Girl series. Check it out. Again, it's either it's available at RetortoFamilyBooks.com, Amazon.com, or BarnesandNoble.com. Hi everyone, this is Mark the Shark, Retorto. Just want to make sure that everyone's following me, not only here on this podcast, but on my new live show that's hosted on Twitch. You can watch it at twitch.tv slash Mark the Shark MMA show. And it's Mark with a C and not a K. And I air a new episode every Saturday. So check it out. What's up, world? This is Will, and you are about to listen to the Mark the Shark MMA show. Enjoy the show. Are you a fan of the Mark the Shark MMA show? Are you looking for some swag? Check us out on the web at www.marktheshark.mmashow.com, where we sell T-shirts, hoodies. Crop tops, hats, beanie hats, anything you want, check it out. Are you also looking to become a guest on the show and be interviewed by me, Mark the Shark Retorto? Well, go to the website and sign up as a guest. Are you looking to become a sponsor? Go to the website, sign up, take advantage of the wild range growth of the sport of MMA and be have your business and service advertised to millions of listeners I listen to this podcast every week, worldwide, from everywhere. Check it out, www.marktheshark.mmashow.com. All right, guys, we're at the end of our show. This is Mark Retorto. I'm signing off. And don't forget to follow us on our Facebook page. It's called The Mark the Shark MMA Show. And it's Mark with a C, not a K. And also, feel free to leave us messages by using the Anchor app. And also, don't forget, if you look in the mood for a good action thriller book, to buy my book called The Cabal, The Saga Begins. It's available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. And if you need a good book for your kid, get the I Am Survivor book. Or Invisible Girl book written by my daughter, Christina Retorto, also available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show and continue to listen to our shows every week. Thank you.